Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. to the pod cast we are back we are at it it's in the middle of the off season but that ain't gonna stop us because we got a weekly thing to do and it's a holiday memorial weekend memorial day weekend but we still have an episode here to talk about the detroit Lions, the nfc north and a whole bunch of other fun stuff so get ready for a nice episode my name is jeremy reisman i'm the interim coach of the podcast i'm the managing editor of pride of detroit.com you can find me at detroit online with me, as always, is my co-host, Ryan Matthews. Back is the rock guy. That's at Ryan underscore POD. Ryan, how are we doing today? I'm sober. <laughs> okay. That, when you're leading with that, you know, you know this is going to be a good podcast. I don't know. I think it's actually quite the opposite. So I'm going to work on making this the best podcast ever while I there drink we my go. Miller Lite. A nice Miller Lite to start things off. Um, so this week we have a special episode. We're, we're kicking off a series of three. We are going to go around the division and talk about the off seasons that the other teams in the NFC North, uh, the, the other off seasons that they've had kind of get their perspective also on what the lions have done so far and their perspective on where the NFC North is right now, where their team stands, where the Lions stand, where everyone stands. And so we have a very special guest with us to cover the Packers. And I'll tell you why we picked the Packers first in a second, besides the fact that we have a great guest. Uh, you, you know him from Acme Packing Company. His name is call me Matub on Twitter. It's Matub. What's happening, guys? Thanks for joining us, bud. Thanks for having me. Uh, just quick aside. If you hear any childish screaming, it is my daughter getting a bath upstairs. So, okay. so apologies. it's not Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, Aaron okay. Rodgers does not live with me. Um, okay. Sadly, the, the whole child just thing, child just screaming thing threw me off. Mm. <laughs> That's fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we picked the Packers to go with first. Well, be, you could say it's either because they finished first in the division. You start with them or maybe they had the offseason. That's most fun to talk about as a Lions fan. You, you, <laughs> I'll let you guys decide. <sighs> yes, we're, we're going to hear a lot of those kind of sighs from Matub today, and I'm very excited about it. We are going to have some pleasure at his misfortune because let's be honest, Lions fans need to take every opportunity to enjoy any sort of distress from Packers fans. Because well, I think of the last, I don't know, 30 years. Yeah, I think anyone that, that joined the, um, the Jeopardy trivia thing knows that I'm a very honest Packer yes. fan and that I, I don't pull my punches. I have no green tinted glasses. And if my team does something stupid, I'm going to talk about it. <laughs> yes. Um, Matub, if, if you haven't heard, he, he does our football fights often that we've done a couple episodes of. Uh, he's our Packers correspondent, I guess, or contestant maybe is the better word. But let's let's jump right into it. Let's talk about the Packers offseason. And we have to start with the biggest, the biggest news, biggest development of the entire offseason for the Packers. And that was their first round draft pick. Oh, and I thought you I thought you were gonna say re-signing Mercedes Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> nope, not quite. 
they decide not only to draft Jordan Love, but trade up to draft Jordan Love. And I'm sure you've seen the the video of I can't remember the comedian's name. Uh, his his brilliant reaction of of it happening in real time when he was streaming it. If you could, I would love to hear you just recreate your verbal reaction when this moment went down. Okay, so uh, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be completely honest with you guys. I was asleep when, <laughs> when they drafted Jordan. Love. Oh no! And so, so when you woke up, did you think you were still sleeping? So I had I had an alarm set. I was assuming that the Packers were either going to stay in place or move down um, mm-hmm. because I was watching all the all the wide receivers go. And I was like, Oh, they're probably going to move down. Like it's going to be the Randall Cobb, Jordy Nelson. Like they're going to take a, a a good prospect in the second round. Like that's what I was expecting. So I set an alarm and I just kind of dozed off on the couch. Um, and then I woke up and it was pick 27 or 28, something like that. Like I just missed it. And and my Twitter feed was just exploding. Like people were losing their minds. And I'm like, what's going on? Like they're, you know, they're like ESPN was just talking about whatever uh, tragedy happened to the next draft pick. And, and I was just like, they did, they, they, they took what? (laughs) Like, like I had, I had four first round QBs in my, that were like four first round graded QBs. Jordan love was the worst of them. Uh, which I was not like, like of all of the quarterback prospects, I knew Jordan love was going to be overdrafted and I did not like him. So when I woke up and saw, I was like, no, this is no, 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 no. Like, no, just no, no, no. <laughs> like through a series of no's, I went through the seven stages of grief. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it was awful. <laughs> I don't like the Jordan Love pick. I do not like Jordan Love, his college film. Like if you watch his college film, his highlights look a lot like Aaron Rodgers. His lowlights also look a lot like Aaron Rodgers lowlights. He bails on clean pockets. He misses open receivers. He throws away the ball too much. And then he also makes stupid mistakes like throwing late over the middle into coverage where he thinks that like he goes, he goes kind of Brett Favre. Oh, I can squeeze it in there, which, so he's got some amazing highlights of like threading it through three uh, defenders. And like, um, was it Michigan state that he had like, there was like two minutes left and he had a game winning drive and he threw in a triple coverage to convert a fourth down. Like he's got plays like that. And everyone's like, Woo, let's look at those. And I'm like, those are bad. Those are interceptions in the NFL. Like, why are, why are we talking about these? No, so I don't like the Jordan Love pick at all. I don't think he's going to be the next Aaron Rodgers. Like, I, I don't think he's going to be the next Brian Brom. Like, like it's, I don't like the pick. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. And everyone's trying to justify it. Apparently, the 49ers thought that the Packers are going to move up for Ayuk. And so that's why they took him early. But I hate it. it ah. ah. Well, well, then, then, then there was the report that the Packers thought the Colts were going to move up to get him. So that's the, why the yeah. Packers, that's why the Packers thought they needed to move up to get Jordan Love. But I'll be honest, I don't even think Jordan Love was their worst pick. I think their worst pick, hands down, by far, was drafting AJ Dillon in the second round. Really? You think that AJ Dillon is worse than taking a fullback in the third? Um, well, my team took a long snapper in the sixth round one time and he never played. So, I mean, let's not talk about what picks are worse based on positional value, but anytime, 
Hey, look, anytime you have a guy who rushes for over a thousand yards, 16 touchdowns and over four and a half yards per carry, like Aaron Jones did last year, you definitely should go out and draft AJ Dillon, who has a lot of tread left on his tires. Right. So, so the, I think that, that when, when people look at AJ Dillon pick, they, they tend to talk about Aaron Jones. We need to be talking about Jamal Williams. AJ Dillon is here to replace Jamal Williams. He's going to be the thunder to uh, Aaron Jones lightning. He's the, the power. So back when Eddie Lacy was drafted, the Packers also drafted. Uh, oh my God. I, I knew his name 10 seconds ago. Jonathan Franklin. Packers drafted Jonathan Franklin, the same draft that they, they got Eddie Lacy. Jonathan Franklin was supposed to be the scat back to Eddie Lacy's power, whereas AJ Dillon is now supposed to be the power back to Aaron Jones, and they're going to let Jamal Williams walk. I, it's almost guaranteed they let Jamal Williams walk. However, Packers already have uh, three three, four running backs on the roster. So they've got, they've, they've got, uh, well, they had, they drafted Dexter Williams last year who never saw the field. So he's gone. Um, they've got Tyler Irvin as their return man, also slash gadget player. He's kind of the Devin Hester. He, uh, um, does the sweeps and the, the wheel routes out of the backfield. Um, so to me, it's like, you're going to have four legitimate backfield weapons at the same time. Like, like what is this? 1975. Yeah, how many do you need that? That's kind of my point. I mean, I, I totally see the logic behind drafting Jamal Williams, but you should also, um, for, first and foremost, I should say that my affinity for Jordan love will not be contained and will not be shot down on this podcast because I'm the okay. biggest Jordan love fan for obvious reasons, but I, I just, I, I view, <laughs> I view AJ Dillon as just being, uh, like you said, how many guys can you have in the backfield at once? And how many guys do you really want carrying the ball? Like, is that a luxury pick considering that there were probably some receivers that were on the board, or if you wanted to move up, why not get a receiver? Because as far as skill position players go for receivers, the Packers don't have a lot of them. Uh, Jeremy, do you remember what I said in, uh, in the fights behind Devontae Adams? I, well, not really. So what did the, you say? We were we were all given six. We were debating the wide receiving core, right? Yeah, debating wide receiving core, and I had to debate why the Packers had the best wide receiver core. I said uh, Devontae Adams is the best receiver in the North, but then behind him is a tire fire. So, <laughs> <laughs> and it remains so, a tire fire. <laughs> I mean, okay, they they signed Devin Funchess, which uh, he's. He's basically, it's funny, everything everyone has said about Alan Lazard, they've already said about Devin Funches. So they basically just signed older, slower Alan Lazard <laughs> because he has wide receiver experience. Right. Like, oh man, that dude is huge. He should move to tight end. Like, no, <laughs> he shouldn't. He can't inline block. He's, he's like, like, he's not Brandon Marshall. He's not going to be pancaking dudes off the line of scrimmage. I mean, and, and, just to go, I, I want to go back to the other two picks real quick. AJ Dillon, I, I just, I mean, everyone already knows what I feel about drafting a, a running back that early in the draft. Granted, sure. 35 is a lot different than 62. So sure, I, I have reasons to, to hate on the Lions pick a little bit, but we're also talking about a change of pace back with yes. a second round pick, which is completely different than taking a guy like DeAndre Swift. Also, there were a lot of reports that Dillon would have been there in the third. And that well, just, yeah. that, that cuts even deeper. <laughs> like, right. And I, I, I mean, this is just off season fodder, but like everyone's putting together their mock drafts and picking up AJ Dillon in the fourth and fifth round on, you know, the mock drafts or 
what is it the Simulator. the draft network's mock draft database sure. like so I, I do think it was a little surprising to see mm-hmm. him get taken so early um but but i'm not letting you off the hook for jordan love just quite yet and, and <laughs> oh, stuff. I, we, i'm sorry i need to milk this for all all it's worth right so now. okay the the way the aaron Rodgers contract works um yes. he is the de facto starter until the end of 2022 Right. So, so he has to start for the next three years. So that means that, that the first year that Jordan love can play is going to be the last year of his contract. Okay. This is what I wanted to get to. They're going to have to decide to pick up his fifth year option, his first year of starting. (laughs) And so all, all the positive things, all everyone says, everyone, everyone say hi to me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, all the, all the positives of, of drafting a quarterback in the first round of drafting quarterbacks is you get, you use them on their rookie deal. You, you save all this money. Aaron Rodgers just signed an extension that yep. has, would have them 40, what for over 40 million dead money this year. I think it's 30 over 30 million. The following so if year, they, if, if they cut him right now, it would be 35 million. If they traded him, I think it would be 32. I, I don't know the exact number, but it's over 30. It's over yeah. 30 regardless of which, by the way, if, if anyone says that Aaron Rodgers is going to demand a trade and blah, 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 it's literally not possible. The Packers cannot trade him. So any talking head who says that the Packers should or could or would or what, no, they are lying to get you to click. Don't listen. Don't click. <laughs> I'm, look, I'm making eye contact Why, with you viewers. Why not listen to know this? Me. Lions fans, we just went through this for two years with Matthew Stafford. Everyone's saying maybe there's trade rumors. <gasps> Look at the contract. No, it can't happen. It won't happen. And don't tell me stranger things have happened. You know, Aaron Rodgers can force their hands. No, this this would be unprecedented. Completely unprecedented. So it just throws even more question into, into this decision. But I, I also want to ask you, like, has anyone gotten to the point where they're like, Okay, I understand this. We were all fed up when they drafted Aaron Rodgers a couple of years ago because of Brett Favre. This is history repeating ourselves. Let's just take this slowly. Things are going to work out. They, we've had a Hall of Fame quarterback for the last 20 years using this kind of method. So we're fine. Let's let's chill out and just wait it out. Is there anyone there yet? Uh, basically, a lot of the bloggers are at least smart enough to to get there. Um the Packers wires guys, they're, they're kind of there. Um, but the average fan, no, the average fan is still irate because people really like statistics. So to, to talk another off season move, the Packers let Blake Martinez walk Yep, and fans are very upset with that because he's a tackle machine. But what they don't understand is that Blake Martinez average depth of tackles, like four and a half yards past the line of scrimmage. Right. Uh, so they see 13 and three. That's all they see. So they, they see the Packers are a couple of moves away from the Super Bowl, man. They were in the NFC championship game last year. They just got a couple moves, couple moves. They need, they need a, a run stuffer in the middle and they need a wide receiver. And then they're golden, man. Like we're going to murder stop the NFC. No, <laughs> the, the Packers were statistically one of the luckiest teams in the history of the league in one score games last year, based on the regression to the mean, they are an eight and eight team at like, whoa, like at best. I think you're getting I, ahead of yourself here, but I like it. <laughs> so, but it's, it's all, that's the problem is this, this is all intertwined. Yeah. The reason that people are mad at the off season is because of the record. The reason that I'm mad at the off season is because the opposite, because the Packers drafted as if they're a three and 13 team. 
They're not mm-hmm. the Packers. The Packers are a squeak into the playoffs and maybe get lucky team right now. And a couple, the couple moves to make the Super Bowl, they should have done anyway. I didn't think that they were a Super Bowl caliber team this year. Um, but yeah, so fans are mad that the Packers are punting this year and, and they're drafting for the future, which yeah. Okay. You can say that they're drafting the future with Jordan Love and AJ Dillon, but they drafted a friggin' fullback in the third round. And then a bunch of guys that no one's ever heard of with the exception of John. Like I, I like one pick in this entire draft, John Runyon in the sixth. I love that pick. I, I feel you there, Michigan, man. Uh, l- let's talk quickly about that third round pick Josiah DeGuara uh, tight end, I guess, slash fullback. Yeah. Uh, so he's, he's a replacement for Danny Vitale. Who left? Mm-hmm. Dan- Danny yep. Vitali was supposed to be the super back in, right. um, and actually, if you look like at the huge fan, yeah, if you look at Josiah uh, athletic comps, you do the mock draftable spider chart. He's basically mm-hmm. Kyle Uzcheck. Yeah. So everyone's like, oh, they drafted their own Kyle Uzcheck, and it's like, okay, but I, I don't care. I would I like I would not trade a third round pick for Kyle Uzcheck. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> we're not talking about a huge value there. It's it's not like even I'm a big fan of positional value. I think that if you're drafting in the first round, you should always draft based on uh salary cap, right? Mm-hmm. Like if, if you're taking a top three pick, you better be taking someone who is a top three salary cap position. Right. Um, so it's kind of funny that I say that and then they draft short love. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're, you're that's, that's like, that was the monkey's paw right there. That was the monkey's paw. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, man, I really hope the Packers draft with a high value. <laughs> I really hope they get a skill position player with their next pick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the, and that's the, the reports of the, the Brian Gutekunst didn't like it, like didn't like the value of the wide receivers that were there in the second. Mm-hmm. I, I don't get it. I would, I would have much rather them overdrafted uh, a frequent, like, like, um, what's the, the gigantic guy from, uh, from USC? Um, the, Michael, Pitt, Michael Pittman. Yeah. Pittman was, Pittman was still there in, at the end of the first, had they stayed in their regular position and drafted Michael Pittman. I, I would not have given one flying fornication about taking AJ Dillon. <laughs> because yeah. to me, then the AJ Dillon pick makes sense because right. you're bolstering your offense. You just drafted Aaron Rodgers' next biggest weapon. Let's get him some more guys in the backfield to help with play action, blah, blah, blah. Let's do that. That's that's great. But without someone behind Devontae Adams, who gives a crap? No one is going to respect the pass. So no one is is going to care on play action. But then again, like the Lions, was it last year or two years ago? Matt Stafford had the, the league leading passer rating off a of play action and they had the worst running game in the league. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, running game so, doesn't matter when it comes to that. Yeah. Every statistical point proves that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, all right. But I think if, if teams don't don't respect the pass, that there's the other half of that. And right. I don't think anyone's going to respect the Packers pass attack this year. Which is crazy to think about in an Aaron Rodgers led team, but could be right. Um, before we go to break, let's talk quickly about free agency. Packers <laughs> kind of went back to their old habits of not really doing anything. Um, we we thought the the Gutenkirst era was full of crazy free agency moves after getting the the Smith brothers, quote unquote Smith brothers, last offseason. But now it's just like Rick Wagner. That's their pull. Yeah, replacing Brian Balaga with Rick Wagner. Right. Uh, probably a downgrade. Uh, you get Christian Kirksey. Is is he essentially a, a Blake Martinez that, replacement? 
So BJ Goodson went to Cleveland and Christian mm-hmm. Kirksey comes here from Cleveland. Right. Uh, BJ Goodson was, was supposed to be the run stuffing inside linebacker that they needed. And then Raheem Mostert stiff armed him into the dirt like multiple times. <laughs> and so that was like the, the 49ers took BJ Goodson's roster spot. You knew at the end of that game, there was no way in hell he was getting re-signed because he couldn't do the thing he was brought in to do. Christian Kirksey is much better in coverage than BJ Goodson. He's as good or slightly better in coverage as uh, Blake Martinez. And he's, he already knows Patton's defense. So he's probably brought in to be the green dot helmet guy. Mm-hmm. Um, since he's already going to know Pettens because so, that's what they lost in Martinez mostly was the the play call guy. Right. But honestly, half the time you had guys playing zone when they were supposed to play man. And like, like that's on Blake for not checking the, like, like there's, there's some yeah. plays where Kevin King looks like he's completely lost and it's because no one told him he's supposed to switch to man. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. if, if, if your guy in the communication helmet isn't making the correct checks, you let him walk. So yeah, that's kind of where, Christian Kirksey is supposed to be. Um, the, I'm the looking question with him is like injuries, right? He's missed almost he missed, all of the last two seasons. Yeah, it was a foot thing, right? I can't remember. I think so. But basically, it's a yeah. it's a um, a buy low kind of pick. Like like they yeah. don't have to like Kirksey was two years, thirteen million, and Blake Martinez left for three thirty. Wow. <laughs> so uh, yeah, if one of the younger guys has to step up. They have to step up like like they drafted um, uh, Kamal Martin from Minnesota. Mm-hmm. He's a really high upside pick. I like um, I was talking to a friend of mine who's a huge Minnesota fan. He said like guys to look out for was one of their wide receivers was taken. Um, what's his face that the Vikings safety son uh, Whitfield. Yeah, he said he said the wide receiver Whitfield. And then he goes, you got to watch out for Kamal Martin. Like he's he's going to be a linebacker at the next level. And Packers took him. So I was one of the few Packer fans who knew his name. but i mean that's the thing if i'm sitting here talking about like man i hope that this rookie is productive like shoot me in the head right (laughs) fifth round rookie exactly uh all right well before we go to break i I have to put your your feet to the fire here give me an off-season grade for the green bay packers uh they had a couple addition by subtraction moves so i'm going to give them a c minus that, okay, that seems that seems a little generous based on everything you just said, but I'll allow it because you're a Packers but, hey, fan. The, the the Jimmy Graham stayed in the division. That that is an automatic <laughs> huge plus to the Packers. That's, uh, that's Jason, a full grade up, so really a D plus. Or D Jason minus. Jason Spriggs stayed in the division. Huge <laughs> upgrade. Uh, Geronimo Allison stayed in a division. <laughs> Big upgrade for the Packers. He's not going to stay on a roster, though. I can tell you that much. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's a, camp, he's a camp body for sure. But no, um, the the Bears actively getting worse because of the Packers offseason, I think, brings it up to a, a D plus C minus. Okay. Oh, wow. All right. When we one, come back. One thing we can agree on, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> When we come back, we're going to talk more about the rest of the NFC North, including Matub's thoughts on the Lions move. So stick with us. We'll be right back on the POD cast. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. 
Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. And we're back with the POD cast talking about the NFC North. We got Matub with us. Call us Matub on Twitter to talk Packers. But now let's branch out to the rest of the NFC North and talk about where things stand. And, and let's start with where you think the Packers stand, because uh, a lot of people, at least from from this neck of the woods, are saying this Packers team overperformed last year. They're due for a big regression. We just talked about a, a C minus if we're being nice off season. You kind of talked about it before, too. Like this could be kind of a middling team right now, n- not necessarily poised for a Super Bowl run. Um, so so where do you kind of view the Packers at right now? Are they are they a team that can contend for the title? Are the team are they still the team to beat in the in the division? I think they're still the team to beat in the division just because they are until proven otherwise. Yeah. But I do think that they're a nine and seven team who's going to get into the playoffs off of a divisional win and uh, then get murder stomped in the wild card round. <laughs> like, like, if I'm honest. Yeah. And, and do you, let, let's talk about the, 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 each side of the ball. Like obviously there are concerns on offense because you know, the running game was really good last year, but they didn't do anything really to improve the passing game, at least not this year. Um, and then, and then, what are your thoughts defensively? Like they obviously took a big step defensively last year, um, but they didn't move much in terms of personnel. I don't think, uh, unless no, I'm missing really. out on something. Um, where, where, where are the strengths and weaknesses of this team's roster right now? So, uh, I mean, the Smiths obviously uh, the arguably the best pass rushing tandem in the mm-hmm. NFC. Um, I say tandem. I'm not like people want to crucify me for saying that, but the like because. Nick Bosa is probably the best pass rusher in the NFC right now. That includes Khalil Mack. Um, but like in terms of the tandem and then Rashawn Gary uh, started to play more last year. He only played 23% of the Packers defensive snaps and he put up like insane efficiency numbers. He was, it was like 10% of pass rushing snaps. He had uh, QB pressure. So uh, the Gary pick last year confused a lot of people, but that pick was Gutekunst knowing that the Smiths were going to be good and that when eventually one of them fell off, Gary could step in, which I'm, I'm fine with. Would I have rather had uh, um, like a Montez sweat? Like, yeah, maybe, but, <laughs> but yeah, Rashawn Gary's okay. Um, yeah. And assuming that he can, cont- so the way he played the last couple weeks of the season, assuming he continues that next year, the Packers pass rush is going to be dirty. Kenny Clark continues to be the best interior defensive lineman, not named Aaron, John- Aaron Donald. Um, Ooh. Yeah, I, I think I, he doesn't show up on the stat sheet because he has yeah. the two gap a lot of the time, but right. legitimately watch the film. He's he's unblockable, even taking on double teams. Um, he kind of reminds me of like a couple years ago before Mike Daniels hit the father time brick wall 
like that like unstoppable force that doesn't show up on the stat sheet because he's just making tackles and and bringing in pressures um so the defense i think is is fine i i I think that they're not going to regress like the 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 thing that everyone wants to point to is the bears the bears defense two years ago was heavily predicated on staying healthy and forcing turnovers and neither of those things are necessarily repeatable statistically um the packers did do pretty well on turnovers last year but not at like a historical rate like what the bears did so assuming they don't regress heavily which i think is a fair assumption because the dbs did not change um behind jair alexander you've got a bunch of question marks uh kevin king can be good but he can also be awful uh adrian amos and darnell savage are like savage honestly uh um, like the best pick from last year playing as well as he did as a rookie i'm so excited to see him in his second year and then honestly blake martinez was just a guy like the the packers defense made a lot of tackles based on what the front line was doing. All Martinez had to do was watch his ends to see where they were going to spill the run and then go take the guy. Anyone can do that. Jeremy, you could do that. You might get trucked to do that. Yeah. You you might get trucked taking the tackle, but you'll be where you're (laughs) supposed to be. Like, so I think Christian Kirksey can be that guy. I think anyone can be that guy. Uh, that's the thing that Blake Martinez was like, I led the league in tackles. And it's like, yeah, well, like you kind of led the league in being in the right gap. Like, good for you. Like, <laughs> you followed your assignment. So the, the defense does not worry me at all. If the Packers put up another, like last year, they were arguably a top 10 defense. And it's really funny in a 32 team league saying someone's top 10 still puts you near the middle of the bell curve. Right. <laughs> right. right. So, so if the Packers are the 10th best defense Next year, this coming year, it it will not surprise me. The offense, on the other hand, sweet Georgia Brown. I I don't know, man. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, like does does Lafleur want to install the Tennessee system and run off the back of the running backs and give Aaron Rodgers all the time in the world? Maybe I don't know. It seems that way. He just drafted Kyle Uzcheck and uh, Derrick Henry. So <laughs> let's. <laughs> But yeah, uh, like I said in the past, behind Devontae Adams is just a big question mark, big tire fire. People are like, oh, you know, Equine Amenius is going to come back and ESB is going to light the league on fire. Like, is he? Is he really? Mm, he's He missed his his uh, sophomore season. Like, so he's going to be in his sophomore slump in his third year. Uh, MVS is the next coming of Jeff Janis, number included. Uh, <laughs> he's, he, he's big and fast and that's it. Uh, Alan Lazard is a probably going to be the de facto number two. Aaron Rodgers trusts him. He's big. He's got soft hands, but excuse me, as a route runner, eh, he's okay. He can catch back shoulder and timing routes just fine. He's a, he's a decent number two. Devin Funches. Uh, I, I always love to bring up this quote, Matt Ufford, formerly of SB nation, uh, during Cam Newton's MVP season said the best thing about Devin Funches. Devin Funches is a real NFL wide receiver. (laughs) Uh, Cam Newton kept throwing touchdown passes to like kick returners and running backs. And then he finally threw one to Devin Funches and Matt Offord goes, see, he's a real NFL wide receiver. (laughs) He did it. Um, Losing Jimmy Graham is probably the best thing to happen to the offense. No, no exaggeration, no memes, no cap. Jimmy Graham was a detriment to the offense. Aaron Rodgers trusted him with his life when he should not have trusted him with a sack of flour. <laughs> uh, Jimmy, 
Jimmy Graham was everything wrong with Martellus Bennett, but without the mouth. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Bold um, proclamations. What's that? Bold proclamations, but we love them here. I mean, but like, but like, honestly, think about it. Like, like every pass at Jimmy Graham, every Packer fan was holding their breath. Like, and, and so people want to talk about Jimmy Graham converting the, um, that third down that everyone thought was short, but it turns out that the, the, uh, the TV line was way off. You guys remember that whole controversy? Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. Okay. So Jimmy Graham caught a slant and ran for three yards after the catch and got exactly one inch farther than he needed to. And everyone points it like that's that's Jimmy Graham's signature play. But if you look, it was a freaking rub route and Jimmy Graham ran a lazy slant like literally anyone would have been open. <laughs> but he did it, Matub. So he was so one Jimmy time. Graham, Jimmy Graham was a giant target who was a money sink, who was not even the red zone target he was supposed to be, who right. ran as fast as a school bus and turned like one, too. It was it was awful he was the worst part of the offense i'm so glad he's gone well i'm so glad he's a part of the chicago bears he and and the chicago bears have more tight ends than they do. <laughs> yeah they have more tight ends than wide receivers this is great all right so now that we both that we all all three of us agree that the bears and the packers are crappy let's yeah. talk about the detroit lions and let's uh, talk about your thoughts on on what they did this offseason because they certainly were the most active. I think I love I, I love Akuda, man. I love that guy. That Go you, on. You did not screw up your first round pick, in my opinion, at all. A lot of people were worried that oh, he's the highest drafted cornerback in the history of the league. Okay, who cares? Keyshawn Johnson was taken first overall, and he lived up to it. Yeah, okay, he's not. A, a wide receiver. He's not Calvin Johnson, but he was, he lived up to being taken first overall. I think Akuda will live up to be, because people are going to compare him to Dion, who was taken fourth. I think something like that. I think so. Fourth or fifth. Uh, just also, side note, uh, Dion was taken after Earth the Packers Barry. picked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so Dion would have been taken fourth then because Barry was third. Yes. Mandridge and, was second. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Thanks for bringing that. <laughs> that's okay. I it's, the only thing we, it's the only thing we have to cling to. So, I actually I have a I have a very um, strong opinion that had Mandrich not been taken, Brett Favre never would have been a Packer. Oh wow, that's a rabbit hole we do not want to entertain right now. But <laughs> keep talking about how much you love Jeff Okuda. <laughs> uh, Jeff Okuda was great. He's the best cover corner in the draft. He can do everything. Uh, if you want to compare him to Dion, that's fine. But Dion couldn't tackle a three year old. So. Akuda can like he's yeah. he's tenacious he's he fights I, I like him I love that pick um I look forward to watching someone who isn't Aaron Rodgers test him early and get burned so Rodgers knows not to test him <laughs> fair enough um any any other moves that the Lions made on defense that you know maybe particularly elicits any concern for your Packers offense or uh, I mean I've Nothing, nothing like, so the thing that worries, it's funny. The thing that worries me most about the rest of the NFC North defense is the loss of Brian Balaka. So I automatically think everyone else is going to be better pass rushing against the Packers. Mm -hmm. So to me, any signings are a moot point. It's scientific method. We change two things at once. So you can't necessarily 
say that one or the other is just as important. I think everyone is going to have more production coming off the right side against the Packers. Yeah. And so you think Julian that's Obara. I'm sorry. Was that right? I, I was going to say some, some, maybe it's one of those things where you have to consider <clears throat> um, the right side of the line. Maybe it's something that the Packers just scheme away from. Yeah, I think so. Mercedes Lewis, I, I, I think I've earned enough clout of uh, being a, um, a non Homer fan to say this. I think Mercedes Lewis is the best blocking tight end in the league. Um, I think he like legitimately could have started at right tackle for half the teams in the league last year. So leaving him in line as a blocker is going to happen a lot. I hope, Mm. Um, or at least have him on check and release kind of stuff. But yeah, I do think that, that the strong side is going to be a very common look for the Packers offense. Well, let's talk about the Lions offense at this point, um, because I think if Lions fans have any excitement towards 2020, it's on that side of the ball. They yeah. have a ton of weapons now with with TJ Hawkinson coming into the second year, DeAndre Swift, Kerryon Johnson, and, and their trio of wide receivers that are coming off pretty good seasons for all three of them. Um, what what do you like about the Lions offense that you see right now? What what don't you like? Um, I guess I mean, I've been on, fan, what are you worried about? I've been on record talking about how much I love Kenny Galladay. I do mm-hmm. think that that he's got all the tools and toolkit to to really be a, like a phenomenal wide receiver. I don't think he's there yet. I think he has to put it together. Uh, Matt Stafford probably. Okay, God, I don't do. Do I have Careful. to say this out? Do I have to say this out loud? Yes, you he's do. Probably the best quarterback in the North. Whoa. Okay, hold on, hold on. Can we can we can we clip that and just have it replay for the rest of the? So like, I don't so even want to do the rest. Something of the podcast. that We're something that people. That. Something that people don't realize. If you listen really closely though, Jeremy's pants flew off when you said that. <laughs> yes. So something that something that because I mean he's competing with Kirk Cousins, who's literally a pod person, and um his gets called back to the mothership during prime time. Uh he's going against uh uh BDN, uh Big Dick Nick, uh start, starting for the Bears, who lost his his job. Uh, like, so basically they're paying a backup who had three, like, like, uh, Nick Foles is Matt Flynn. Nick, (laughs) he had, he had a a couple phenomenal games and he's now getting paid for that. So that's without Trubisky, they are better, but Nick Foles is only like half a click better than Trubisky. He's Trubisky. If he could throw it to the left, (laughs) (laughs) um, right. What's that? The old uh, Zoolander syndrome can't turn. Yes. So if if you, if you cure Trubisky's, uh, like if you give up some of Trubisky's athleticism in order to cure his ability to throw left, that's Nick Foles. So neither of those guys scare me. Matt Stafford has not fallen off a cliff. Everyone has expected him to like, he's been Matt's like since, since he's been 25, he's been Matt Stafford. He's been Matt, Matt Stafford this entire time. He's, he's who you expect him to be. He's no longer the, the willy nilly gunslinger of once upon a time. He's, he's not a statue in the pocket. He's, but he's not a burner. Like he's not going to run for 15 yards on a scramble, but we know that we know who Matt Stafford is. We've known him forever. This new guy pretending to be Aaron Rodgers is scaring the living crap out of a learned Packer fans. And we are in our secret group chats, afraid to go out onto the Twitterverse and say that Aaron Rodgers is the Aaron Rodgers problem. Ooh. 
I want I want a long pregnant pause after that. That's I, that's why I took a sip of my beer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's quickly go into that before we talk about like your overall view of where every team stands in the NFC North. Um, what is what is the issue? Is it is 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 it just like the natural downturn of of a person's career when they approach forty? I think I think it's it's not necessarily that thing. I think Aaron Rodgers' physical abilities have not fallen off to the extent that they appear to be, but Aaron Rodgers thinks that they have not fallen off at all. Right, and that is the problem. The hubris hubris is killing him. Yes, his uh, also because he spent so many years playing sandlot ball. And mm-hmm. the offense was literally so in 2011, the Packers had one of the best receiving cores of all time. Like it's it's like everyone brings up the the Sports Illustrated uh, cover. Basically, every every Packers receiver could have been a number one anywhere else. They had uh, they had Jordy Nelson, Greg Jennings, young Randall Cobb, Jermichael Finley, James Jones, who in 2013, I think, led the league in touchdowns. Like every person catching the ball for the Packers could have been the number one target somewhere else. And Joe Philbin and Mike McCarthy built an offense around that. They just ran four verts every play. They're like, yeah, you know what? Someone's going to be open. Have fun. Like, and that was the offense. And it was great because they had the, the ability to do that. Moving on from that wide receiving core, they did not change the offense. And it just became a lot of Aaron's going to fix it. No one's going to get open for six seconds. Aaron's going to run around. And after eight seconds, someone's going to be open. That was the offense for years. Right. And Rogers cannot like when, when you, when you watch old Rogers pre 2011 Rogers, three-step drop zips it in there on a slant, five-step drop zips, a perfect seam route. Like a lot of timing, a lot of very perfectly thrown balls. Now it's a lot of, oh, 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 oh. And then like, oh, that guy's open. And then he throws these like fadeaway passes for no reason. His mechanics are all over the place. He has not had a quarterback coach since Alex Van Pelt left. There has been someone with a quarterback coach uh, title. Since since Alex Van Pelt left. Like, okay, by the way, uh, the Cowboys, the Packers Cowboys playoff game where Aaron Rodgers threw the amazing pass to Jared cook for Mason Crosby to throw the last or kick the last second field goal. Aaron Rodgers turned and hugged Alex van Pelt. He did not hug McCarthy. He did not hug another player. He hugged his quarterback coach and van Pelt left to go coach somewhere else. Aaron Rodgers has been not Aaron Rodgers ever since then. So I don't know, man, it's, I don't know if it's hubris. I don't know if it's cause he, cause he likes, Matt LaFleur. Everyone wants to talk about like whether or not they get along and blah, blah, blah. They like each other. Rogers likes the system. He likes being able to run first to give himself some time in the pocket, but then he doesn't use it correctly. It's infuriating. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Before we go to break, let's just talk. If you had to rank the NFC North right now, and I know that's not fair, Sure. Having not even seen anyone approach the practice field this offseason. Uh, Packers, Lions, Vikings, Bears. Can you say that one more time? Packers, Lions, Vikings, Bears. The Lions in front of the Vikings. As a Lions yeah. fan myself, and Jeremy is the biggest Vikings fan on this podcast right now. I think I think the loss of Diggs is going to be way bigger than people think it is. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. All right. 
I mean, the, uh, that I defensive think, roster kind of got gutted too. Like they they re- yes. refueled, but with a bunch of rookies. Like, yeah, they had eighteen and, day three picks. Not all, not any of those guys are going to be starters. And remember what I said fifteen minutes ago. If we get into the discussion of man, I hope that this rookie is productive. You right. are in trouble. Right. Yeah. But yeah. I, I mean, think. I think the Vikings. TJ Hawkinson last year. Yeah. But I think uh, also I have, I have many rants about rookie tight ends. There's no such thing as a good rookie tight end. They are outliers, not the expected. Yeah. Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) In the history, in the history of the league, there have been five good rookie tight ends. uh, And three of them are recent. Two of them are Patriots. Right. Even drafted in the top 10. Uh, I don't think any of them were drafted in the top 10. Oh, okay. So when one is drafted in the top 10 and goes and shits the bed his rookie season. Oh my God. You are such a drama queen. <laughs> I just think that you shouldn't take a tight end in the top 10 because hey, this goes back. This goes back to my opinion oh, on so if you're you. picking high, you should go based on contract value. Like cornerbacks. Yeah, Lions. We did it right this year. Good job. Good job, us. Yeah, quarterback, right, uh, pass rusher, corner. Um, wide receiver, maybe wide receiver. I think. Yeah. yeah. All right. Before we let you go, Matub, I'm going to let you have the floor. Talk about where people can listen to you. Cause I think you just made a bunch of lions fans. Very <laughs> happy for the past half hour. Dude, do you know how many lions fans followers I have on Twitter? It is significant. It's about to be more. I really get the feeling. So, <laughs> so go, go pip your stuff. Where can they find you on Twitter? Okay, what can they find- listen and, and read of yours? Okay, find me on Twitter uh, at Call Me Matub. Uh, I podcast through the Milwaukee Tailgate Network for a podcast called Reporting is Eligible. Um, it is a very pessimistic look at the Packers. Um, Perfect. Yeah, we get our, we like check our iTunes things. Like people think that we hate the team. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's it's me, uh, fellow Acme Packing Company writer Paul Noonan, who's he's a big sabermetrics guy and likes to find ways to apply it to football. It's it's a phenomenal uh, take on the meeting of numbers in football. He does a very good job with it. And then uh, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel writer J.R. Radcliffe, who he's it's funny because he's a baseball writer, so his football fandom is somewhere in the casual realm. So it's like like me and Paul learn him on the daily basis. It's great. Uh, so check us out. Reporting is eligible. It's available on everywhere. Uh, follow me on Twitter. Call me Matub, uh, Instagram, but yeah, I have Acme packing company. Uh, occasionally I write stuff there. I'm really more of a meme Smith. <laughs> it's totally funny. Okay. I, I, I hide behind making funny memes on Twitter and, and bashing the team. But like, and then people are like, Oh, you actually kind of know your shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's always it's always the goofy ones that, that really know what they're yeah. talking about yeah guys it's been fun um but actually yeah. this is perfect timing i've got a lasagna in the oven i gotta go pull out perfect well thanks for joining us matub we'll, we'll hear from you again i'm sure before the year is out assuming there's football to be played um but thanks for joining us and thanks for listening everybody when we come back we're not done yet don't turn it off we got mailbag coming up so stick around we'll be right back with mailbag
Hashtag Ask POD if you ever have any questions for us that you want answered on this POD cast. And don't forget while you're interacting with us to leave us a nice review over there on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on. We appreciate any sort of feedback like that uh, as long as it's productive and not insulting. Or if you want to just show your appreciation for us. Five stars are always welcome. We like to hear good things. Anyways, before we get into your questions, it is underdog week, or by the time you listen, you're probably listening to this. It's the end of underdog week at SB nation. And as Detroit lions fans, we're pretty used to being underdogs. Um, we're, we're used to assuming that identity because we're pretty much always that identity. And so I wanted to just pass this very simple question to you, Ryan, do you enjoy being the underdog? Do you like that identity? Obviously, I'm sure you'd love to win more, but is there something, some sort of like sense of pride you have in rooting for a team that's always the underdog? I think I have a sense of pride in rooting for the underdog when I don't have a dog in the fight. So I don't like being the underdog. I like watching Mm -hmm. the underdog win, but I don't like when my team is the underdog. I don't like the whole chip on your shoulder, bulletin board material. We're out there to prove something almost kind of even think about like when the lions in 2014, like they weren't supposed to beat the Cowboys, but then when they got off to that hot start, it was, Oh man, the young upstart lions, like they might be winning this game. Or even if you think back to 2016, when they were playing the Seahawks, they were the heavy underdogs going into the clink to play, you know, the Seahawks. And it was lions could shock the world. It's like, no, I just want them to win football games. Like I, I don't care about their position going into the game. I just care about their position afterwards. And sure. um, it's always fun to see the underdog win. I mean, I think that's why March Madness is a thing. Like that's why it's a brand, right? Like everybody right. loves March Madness because they want to see the 16 seed or the 15 seed knock off, you know, the one or the two. Right. But I don't, I don't take a lot of particular pride in my team always being the lackey. What about you? It it's kind of a toss up for me because there is a, at least early on I there was a certain sense of pride I had in that like I was sticking out you know I was I was still a fan through and through despite all of the bad times despite Owen sixteen despite one playoff win in the past thirty years all that sort of stuff that's starting to wear off a little bit but sometimes I see what happens to like a consistently successful fan base and I hate them for it right you look at the Patriots and how spoiled they've become and and how jaded they are when their team starts two and two and they're they're throwing shit fits they're thinking the sky is falling at two and two and i i never want to get to that point where i don't appreciate just a consistently good team just a team that that is even plays 500 or, or, or better ball like because i know how bad it is on the other end like P- patriots fans acted like 500 is, is the bottom of the NFL and and it's not. And if, if I get to that point where obviously I want my expectations to be high for the team, but I also want to just be able to enjoy a win on Sunday and leave it at that. Like I don't want to lose that perspective where it's just like, listen, nothing's guaranteed in the playoff. Nothing's guaranteed with super bowls. Enjoy what you have. And if you, if what you have is a 10 and six team that is consistently 10 and six, like be, be thankful. You're not the team on the other end of that. That's consistently six and 10. And so I think, being that underdog has given me that perspective, given me that appreciation for week to week wins. But my patience is very much starting to wear because I thought we had pulled ourselves out of the double digit loss era. And apparently we haven't. And there's, there's some something in me that always keeps trying to tell myself, like, listen, 
the longer you wait, the better the payoff, right? Like once the Lions win, city's going to go crazy. You're going to be so happy. I don't feel that anymore. I just, I just want it to happen. Like, listen, I, I went through the era of the amazing Red Wings and I don't feel like I ever lost an excitement for winning a Stanley Cup. And so give me an embarrassment of riches for the Lions, the Super Bowl, and I'm going to appreciate every single Super Bowl that they win from now on. I don't care if it happens every year. I don't care if, you know, if, if they lose a couple Super Bowls, I'm not going to be that disappointed. I promise you, based on what I've experienced in my first 34 years of Lions fandom, my perspective is set now. Like I, I'm not going to become that yeah. jaded pack fan that's just like, oh my god, we went seven and nine, blow everything up, we're horrible. Yeah, I was going to say, I think you've had enough years, you've had you've had enough training and conditioning to like, like successfully insulate yourself from ever having to be that asshole. <laughs> Yes, I hope so. At least you never know. But uh, I feel like fame I'm, changes I'm, everybody. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Going on with the uh, the theme, we're going into your question now. Sea Monster asked, is being an underdog an advantage? I kind of think being an underdog has its advantages. In my opinion, there's nothing quite like playing with house money. Being an underdog is like that. If the expectations are low, you can play with less pressure. Makes going forward on fourth down and fake punts, onside kicks a little easier. That sort of thing. Do you buy into the fact that being an underdog might have an advantage to it? Maybe from a fan's perspective, like you might feel like you're playing with house money, but there's nothing, there's nothing about playing with house money when you have to line up across from Khalil Mack or like the Smiths (laughs) or, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't make, it doesn't make their job any easier. I, I don't think that, I don't think that players take that mentality with them. Like if anything, they might feel like a little bit disrespected and maybe that might, Put the get chip them on the shoulder. Jones, might get them Jones for a game, but at the same time, like you get out there and like Mike Tyson said, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And I mean, so, so it's strictly from a fan's perspective. Like, yes, like being the yeah. underdog is kind of nice. Cause it's like, Hey, you know what? We weren't supposed to win anyways. We showed up and we gave it a good try. As long as we didn't, as long as we don't get blown out. Right. It's but, like the Chiefs game last year. Right. But it's all, exactly, but it's all contextual. Right. Because like with the way that the 2014 playoff game started, things change really quick. Those field what? goal posts move just dramatically. Please, are you going to bring up that game in every answer in the mailbag? Because if so, I'm ending this podcast right now. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> well, considering it's like one of the only playoff games we have to reference from the okay. past like decade. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the whole underdog thing is a bit overplayed in general when it comes to, yeah, like performance on the field. You talk about trap games, you talk about, you know, being overlooked. Good teams just don't do that. If you're talking about a really good team, like a team like the Patriots, a team like the Packers, a team like the Seahawks and, and Steelers, they don't fall into those trap games. The only trap game is, is really just a mediocre team losing to a bad team. That's all it is. And, and that happens all the time. And I, don't, I think we attribute it to being an underdog. I think it's just, you know, the randomness of the NFL, the, 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 the barely thin margin between being a good and a bad team isn't all that much. And between a mediocre team and a bad team is even less like there's barely any line there at all. So I don't think being an underdog really has any sort of tangible advantage. And if, if it did, then wouldn't we have seen some sort of (laughs) 
payback at this point when, <laughs> when we have been the beneficiary of that when have we felt like being the beneficiaries of that trap game of being an underdog that's the thing like I feel like there's always this thing that Lions fans tell themselves when they're in the middle of a bad season and about to go up against a really good team. They're like, you know what? This is the kind of game that the Lions always win, right? It's like, no, no, of course not. This is exactly why the team has been shitty for all the time, all these yeah. times, because good teams are very clearly better. Like you, you can pull up a handful of, of examples. Sure. Like they beat the Patriots a couple of years ago, that sort of thing happens, but those are the only ones you remember because you forget the ones where they're getting blown out 42 to seven or the game that they played against the Patriots a couple of years back after that, where they got blown out in new England. You don't remember those ones. You just remember the crazy blowouts or um, the crazy, whatever, you know what I'm talking about. Anyways, <laughs> enough underdog talk. Let's get to what the mailbag is all about. And that's food talk. And we just had a review that complained we'd talk about food too much, but too bad. Albino coconut 71. This actually came from last week and he was trying to trigger both me and Ryan with it. So I'm going to go ahead and, and bring it up. He says, what is worse thinking cheesecake is a pie or thinking that professional wrestling is a sport. Yeah. Both those things like piss me off to my core. Right. So like one, professional wrestling is undoubtedly a sport. It's a contest Two, how is something with a crust, not a pie. <laughs> Listen, I, I hate professional wrestling. I think the owner of WWE is a scumbag. And I think agreed. <laughs> I think a lot of the things that, that if you look at the history of that organization, pretty ugly in retrospect, terrible but it's still support. Yes. It's still, I mean, it's, it's people it's, I, I mean, yes, there's acting involved. That doesn't mean it's not a sport. There's acting involved in every professional sport. You have to, you have to, act, I mean, what about gymnastics, Jeremy? Gymnastics are a sport, right? Absolutely. And, it, and it's just as it's definitely more physically demanding than, than gymnastics or cheerleading, which I also consider a sport. Yeah, it's a sport. And cheesecake okay. is a pie. There's, there's no question. Yes. There's no other classification you can put cheesecake under. And it's not his own thing. It's not, it's not significant enough to be its own thing, even though it's one of the best desserts out there. Agreed. The only thing that I think you could also consider it as, though, is a custard. But even that's a stretch. Hey, then we're getting into the whole... Say that? Why would you say that? <laughs> we're getting into pop, this Pop-Tart ravioli territory. <laughs> Is creme brulee a cheesecake? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, single digit asks, what is the first place you visit when the restrictions have been lifted? I don't know if we've done this question or not, but it's oh, one that I've thought about a lot. Uh, what, what's your answer? First place you go once restrictions are lifted. First place I go when restrictions are lifted is this bar on Dixie Highway in Clarkston, Michigan. That's called the Springfield Inn. It is the dumpiest, diviest, most polluted bar I think I've ever been to. Like if that bar hadn't had the inside repainted after the year 2000, the ceiling probably would have been caked in black from smoke. Wait, 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 wait. The minute quarantine is lifted, when we're still not entirely sure everything's safe, you are going to go to the dodgiest, grossest place you can. 
100 percent i'm kidding i'm getting a burger from that place because they have the best burgers that i've ever had for some reason their grill is just magical um it's an awful place to be i but i love it i love it i love the springer what about you fair enough uh i think first and foremost is the dog park for for my buddy back here he's uh he's going crazy a little bit you can see him right now he's he's laying down and only because it's 85 degrees outside. Uh, but on a more personal note, I miss Bark Trivia so much. Oh, me too. We we got it. We got it. Like Bark Trivia is, is definitely like the first social thing I want to do once everything's lifted. It's so much fun. And I miss my POD boys. Oh, miss you too. Oh, all right. Next question comes from I'm the king of everything on Twitter. I don't have his handle readily available, but just search that. You'll find him. He asked, do you think the Lions go if the Lions go seven to nine? Do you think Maddie P and Bob and Matthew Stafford deserve another year? I think one of those three people deserve another year. <laughs> and I don't think I don't think it's too uh, I don't think it's much more obvious which one of those people it is. Um, if the Lions go seven to nine, though. I think we think both of us, Jeremy, that the whole regime comes back. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's why I emphasize the word deserve, um, because we've talked about this before, whether we think they will come back seven to nine. And like you said, I think I think that's just enough improvement improvement for the for maybe the the ownership to be like, OK, you're finally you're finally headed in the right direction. Let let's play this out for at least one more year. But do they deserve to come back? is an entirely different question. I think because all they have done in their three years is take a nine and seven team to a six win team, then a three win team, then a seven win team. And that's not good enough. That's plenty of time to get your, your roster in order. It's plenty of time to change a culture. No, Bob Quinn, Matt Patricia do not deserve to come back if they go in seven, nine, even though I think they will. I, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I so yeah, yeah. It's and and to be clear, I'm not even saying necessarily that I would fire them just because I'm just saying, have they earned the right to be retained? No. I I'm if this were to happen, and obviously there's certain factors involved, like how did they go seven nine? Were they competitive? That's what I was this? gonna say. Right. Yeah. Um I think seven and nine would, would just be enough for me to have the antiest bit of faith that this team, that this regime could turn it around. And so I wouldn't be livid if they went seven to nine and were retained. I certainly wouldn't be happy though. Cause I think the other thing you have to consider too, is they made some big roster changes. And if they made these big roster changes and end up seven and nine, like replacing your CB one and your CB two replacing your right tackle, gutting some of your linebacking corpse. Like you, you mentioned earlier in the podcast, like the lions were probably the most active NFC North team and one of the most active NFC teams in free agency. So I mean, potentially even replacing your starting running back from a year ago. So there are a lot of changes. And if that ends up in seven and nine, then it's like, okay, you know what? They made some changes. Maybe there are a couple of changes away from being the 10 and six team. We all want them to be. Uh, kind of going off of that question, Nick Coscarelli in our chat on Twitch, live on twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit. He asked, do you think that Duran Harmon and Jamie Collins 
add versatility to this defense that they hadn't had before under Matt Patricia. 100%. I mean, that had to have been a reason why they targeted them from the jump. I, I think not only the, not only the positional versatility that those guys bring to the table, but the positional versatility allows other players to play, right? Like it, it, it frees up Tracy Walker to do something different. It frees up um, maybe Jared Davis and Jelani Tavai, or, you know, it, it I think it makes the defense ebb and flow differently, yeah. um, which, which is optimistic. Sure. And yeah, I mean, I, I think Nick nailed it with this question. I mean, those are the two key additions this off season, because like you said, um, Tracy Walker brings a lot of versatility, but they couldn't unlock it last year because they didn't have anyone who could cover deep. Now they have someone that can cover deep and, and unlock his potential there. And then, and same with uh, Jamie Collins, Jamie Collins himself is incredibly versatile, but now, you know, the, a lot of their linebackers can play all three of the positions at least a little bit. And I think we're going to, I hope now I, I have to, I have to pull myself back a little bit because I know versatility is something we've been pounding the table for the last two years. Like, wow, this defense going to be unpredictable. And, and, people are going to be lining up everywhere and, and you're not going to know where any of these guys are, are coming from. You're not going to know if they're, if they're going to be rushing the pass or dropping in coverage. That's all been talk at this point in the off season for the last three years. And we haven't seen it on the field. And so I have to pull, you know, kind of, I have to hold myself back and be like, you know what? Don't, don't put the cart before the horse. Don't say this is what's going to happen before it happens because we've been fooled before we've been fooled plenty of times by not only this coaching staff, but plenty of staffs before them. So while I think on paper, yes, this team should be more versatile, more unpredictable, um, more able to put some of their guys in positions where they need to be to succeed. I need to see it first before I'm like, okay, this is going to be a crazy versatile Matt Patricia offense, their defense that he's been trying to run for the past three years. Maybe should be, but I haven't seen it yet. So I'm not going to say it's going to happen. Bamboozled hoodwinked. The wool pull over our eyes. It's happened before. <laughs> All while we're the underdogs. <laughs> <laughs> Critical perspective on that down note brings another down note. He says, whose line's career most disappoints you? All time, not just the current roster. Charles Rogers, 100%. Charles Rogers, because he was like the yeah. first... He, for, for me, as a Michigan State fan, and that was right at the beginning of my sports fandom my favorite college player gets drafted to my favorite professional team. And to be honest, like Charles Rogers, I mean, it, you know, Matub talked about it earlier, like Aaron Rodgers being the Aaron Rodgers problem. Like Charles Rogers was the Charles Rogers problem. And yeah. he had all the talent in the world. He suffers that broken clavicle against the Denver Broncos and things just are oh. never the same ever. It's, it's pretty much donezo. And that's just one of the most disappointing careers to me. Um, and then when he passed away, was it the, uh, the beginning of this year, 2020? Um, was it that recently? Wow. Yeah. I mean, 2020 has been a, been a mess, but yeah. November, but yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, it's definitely one of the more tragic stories in, in a franchise full of tragic stories. Um, I, I can't say I was a huge Charles Rogers fan at any point in his career, but I knew the talent was there. You know I mean? You saw it. Mm -hmm. And obviously the whole wide receiver in the first round thing was, was 
uh, an ill-advised plan from the get-go, but that doesn't mean that these guys weren't talented players capable of some amazing things, and they were. And and yeah, it, to see it, and, and I think that's what really hurts about Charles Rogers is that you saw it. It was there at, mm-hmm. at the NFL level. For Yes, it was a short period of time, but it was there. And then, yeah, that injury derailed anything. So I don't think I can give a better answer than that. It's a, it's a sad story um, with no no winners, no... No one, I mean, it, it's one of those things that like, even if you were against the pick at the time, you're not going to take any sort of pleasure in being right there. No, I think the only pleasure I take in the Lions being wrong about a player is Mike Williams. <laughs> I watched, the, the, they replayed that draft, I think the day before the 2020 draft and Mel yeah. They're just thumping the table like Mike Williams is the best receiver. I can't believe Braylon Wet Edwards is getting taken over him. And it's just this like fat, I mean, overweight, out of shape, never ends up amounting to anything other than being a Seattle Seahawks reclamation project that they put at tight end. And he fails at that too. <laughs> like th- That's the most infuriating pick the lines have ever made because we all know who goes the literal pick next, next after him. Dallas Cowboys, gonna, Marcus Ware. You're going to say that picks more upsetting than Eric Hebron, really? Oh yeah, 100%. I and I love it. and I love Aaron Donald. I love Aaron Donald. But just think about the stretch of the string of first round wide receivers alive were taking Mike Williams. Yeah. He didn't yeah. he didn't play college the year before. He took an entire season yeah. off. Yep. And he was a top 10 pick. What? <laughs> Matt Millen, y'all. Matt Millen. Brian Calhoun. <laughs> All right, let's bring this up to finish it off. Um, hashtag one pride Guam on Twitter asks if you could pinpoint one can if you could pinpoint it to one thing, what led to the birthing of your Lions fanhood? A single play, a favorite player, family tradition. What got you hooked? Do you want to go first? Sure. Okay, go ahead. Um, I was lucky enough to have uh season tickets basically since i could create memories but i don't think i ever would have gotten hooked on football as much as i did without barry sanders no question about it i mean best running back in history certainly in in lines history i would i would argue every single day that he's the most exciting football player i've ever seen and i mean as 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 someone who grew up a, a short person not not clinically short but short um, there was something about him that, that I clung to as, as a hero for me, as someone I strove to be, whether it meant, you know, being a, a running back as, as a kid, which is, of course that was my dream because why wouldn't it be when you're growing up with Barry Sanders? Um, or just, you know, just like he was an inspiration to me. He's a, a short guy playing a tall big man's game and he's dominating all these people. And I, I thought that was a really amazing because I was a short four foot kid that that was physically imposed by other people. But I was also fairly athletic as a young guy, not enough to be a football player because I didn't put in the, the, the time in the weight room. But yeah, I mean, to me, there was just never any question that I was going to be a Lions fan. And, and Barry Sanders was 1000% the reason why that became so solidified. So young for me. That's uh, that's kind of funny because um, Barry Sanders has a lot to do with my fandom, but I remember my first memory that I had of just being enamored with Barry was uh, 1997 Thanksgiving day. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm at my grandma's house and we're in the basement watching, you know, some tube television that has really poor quality. And that's the game that they blew the bears out 55 to 20. And Barry had like a hundred and like 50 some odd yards. on like only like 19 carries. Cause he had a couple of big runs and he had three touchdowns and, you know, they did the whole Turkey leg after the game. And I thought that that was just like the coolest thing that they were like divvying up Turkey to like professional athletes, like right after they got done playing a game and then, Hey, we're going to go, <laughs> we're going to have Turkey too. So, um, I think that I think the Turkey, I think the Turkey day game has a lot to do with a lot of people's lions fandom. And, you know, for all the talk of people who want, um, you know, higher quality football games year to year, um, on that day, it would be such a shame to see that taken away from lions fans because it is one of the hallmarks and probably the biggest tradition that the, that the franchise has. Oh, no question. Yeah. It's it's in a sense in in essence it's it's all we have and I'm I'm very I'm very impressed by the way that you remember your very first Thanksgiving like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of weird, but it was also it was also the genesis of like my sports fandom. Like '97 was when things like really popped off. Just because Impressive. I, yeah, As a I mean, one year old, one year old. <laughs> all right and with that i think it's time to end the podcast thank you all for joining um i'm not sure what the plans are the rest of the week i would like to get um uh, a bears guy in next to do a similar podcast for that we might do that midweek we might wait till sunday but like i said next week is list cast i think i actually said that during the break so you listener right now list cast is coming next week with the top 10 quarterbacks so get excited make your own list right now see how it compares to ours next week when we get in a big old argument, maybe even welcome a guest or two to talk about it. And it's going to be a lot of fun. So be sure to subscribe, be sure to give us a review and be sure to tune in live every Sunday at 8 PM on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit. We have such an amazing community here every week. You want to be a part of it. This I'm not asking you, I'm telling you, you want to be a part of it. Hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah, brother. We'll see you next week, everybody. Goodbye. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.